Today's episode is brought to you by Anchor Podcasts. They're our new partner here at the Mac Report, and their mission is to democratize audio. Anchor believed everyone should be able to have their voice heard, regardless of background or experience level. And if you've ever tried a podcast before, you know all the logistical barriers that can stand in your way. At Anchor, they aim to remove every single one of those barriers. Their goal is to make podcasting easy and fun without sacrificing the quality that every podcaster deserves. It's so easy with Anchor Podcasts, you can even create a podcast from your phone. To learn more, visit anchor.fm today. Sage, what about this stick? I like the orange in it. No, Mom, what is this? This stick is so dusty, there's no more Genos left in it. I can take it from here, Mom. What kind of tweet are we looking for here, bud? Just a stick so I could toss sauce Chef Boyardee style. Something more apples versus buckets. Yeah, as long as I could still snipe Bar South and Sally. All right, I got the perfect tweet for you. It's going to be this stick here, mid-flex point stick, completely accurate for buy down every time. This is awesome. I love it. TSR Hockey. We speak your language. Hello, everybody. Welcome into this week's edition of the Mac Report Podcast. I am Mike McMahon coming up in just a little bit. We have the midweek media availability that Merrimack men's hockey coach Scott Bork had on Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. We talk a lot about UConn, uh, look back at the UNH series over the weekend, and a lot more. Uh, a lot of topics discussed this week uh, with Scott Bork in the media. So we'll have that whole segment coming up in just a couple of minutes. That's why we're here. Uh, but a couple of other news and notes before we get into that. Uh, Hockey East had some more scheduling issues this week. One of it being Boston University has put back has put its athletics department back on pause. Uh, that was due to an administrative decision the school announced it today. According to a statement, uh, the return of students to campus for the spring semester has caused a rise in COVID cases. At the time, there hasn't been a new outbreak among the hockey program in particular, but all games were postponed for the next week out of caution. All teams in Hockey East have seen their schedules scrambled as teams go in and out of pauses. And uh, recently, the league adopted a system, we talked about this last week, where it would create a new schedule of games just for that week on a week-to-week basis. Uh, the pause for BU means that its game schedule for this weekend against Boston College have been postponed. The Terriers have only played six games so far this season. The program was hit hard in particular uh, with an outbreak earlier in December and that's why they didn't start playing games until January. After repeated setbacks, BU finally played its first games three weeks ago. BU, though, has played six games. Uh, UMass Lowell is scheduled to play this weekend. They've still only played four games. Uh, that's important because the threshold for the NCAA tournament is 13 games. you got to play 13 games in order to be eligible for the NCAAs, and that's something that should be in the back of the minds of teams as we head down the stretch here in, I, I guess you can call it the second half. Uh <laughs> If you're a VIP member, you learned last week that Manchester was withdrawing its bid to be a regional host uh, for the NCAA tournament. I had some stuff up there on v- for VIP members earlier in the week talking about the NCAA tournament and how I'd like to see them select teams and probably go with uh, two eight-team super regionals if it were me. I don't know that the NCAA will do that. I think they're going to try to try to stick to uh, they're going to try to stick to the the four-team the four four-team regionals as best they can. But if it were me, I'd probably go to two eight-team super regionals. I think that's probably the better option uh, at this point. But again, let's see. Um, earlier tonight, Merrimack beat LIU in men's basketball. 
down on Long Island. That was the first game of what's going to be a two-game series. They're going to wrap that series up tomorrow at 1 p.m. Uh, yesterday's game was postponed, uh, so they open the series today. They'll close it tomorrow at 1. And then Merrimack stays on the road. They're going to play at Wagner on Saturday and Sunday before coming back home next week. So that's what's going on in the men's basketball front. Uh, also, from the uh, hockey standpoint, uh, as you know, UConn, has been announced as Merrimack's opponent for men's hockey this upcoming weekend. They're going to be making the schedule on a week-to-week basis. Uh, The Merrimack women's program is going to play Northeastern on Friday. Uh, That game will begin at 3.30 and will air on Nesson, uh, and it will air on TSN 2 if you're up in Canada. So you can check that game out on Nesson and TSN 2 up in Canada. And that's the women's game between Merrimack and Northeastern, which is scheduled for Friday at 3.00. 30. Uh, other news, Merrimack, former Merrimack goaltender Craig Pantano signed an ECHL contract with the South Carolina Stingrays. Uh, that happened earlier this week. Tyler Irvine signed an AHL tryout agreement with the Binghamton Devils. So he's going to be in camp with Mark Dennehy. Uh, they opened camp, I believe, today, actually. So uh, that will be going on as well. Uh, and then there was one more thing I did want to hit on. Where is it? Oh. Uh, up on the macreport.com, if you go up to the top menu bar and hit teams and then go to men's sports and go to ice hockey, you will see uh, three tabs, the recruit list, the future depth chart, and the alumni tracker. The recruit list was updated this week. It's now in a Google Doc. It's just easier to, to organize it that way. So I do have the new recruit recruiting sheet all done. You can check that out if you want to uh, under the men's ice hockey tab under teams so at the top of the menu bar you click on you, you highlight teams a drop down menu will open you go to men's sports and then over to ice hockey and you'll see it uh, and then i also added uh, what is a pretty cool tool i like this today the future depth chart which is just looking at uh, who could come in and who could go at what points and kind of in, in my projections because again these are just my projections where are they at from a recruiting standpoint how many open spots do they have in upcoming years and you'll see uh, both from the forward defense and goalie positions. I don't know that Merrimack really has an opening now until 2023 with a number of guys they have coming in over the next couple of years. And I highlight some guys in here that I think could be early signings at one point. Uh, for example, Zach Ewens and Declan Carlisle uh, could be in jeopardy of signing early going into their senior year. Uh, Alex Jeffries as well uh, being NHL picks. Carlisle being a guy that was almost picked last year, but now uh, is looking at potentially being a college free agent. Uh, and then so, it just it's a pretty good look at kind of where they are from a, a roster standpoint looking ahead over the next couple of years. So if you want to keep an eye, if you're into keeping an eye, keeping an eye on those things and kind of keeping tabs on it, I did put together a year-by-year depth chart uh, that you can find on the, under the main menu on the, Mac, the main Mac report page. You can check those out as well. I'll link to them at some point in a post, but for now you can check them out under the menu page. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, okay, so that's it for me for today. Uh, we will go to Scott Borick's media availability in just a minute. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, you will hear the full session that Scott Borick had with the media here on January 22nd. It's about 15 minutes long. He talks about UConn. He talks about UNH. He talks about uh, the, the kids coming. I mean, we talk about BU going on a pause with kids coming back to campus. Merrimack's kids are coming back to campus soon. Uh, he talks about you know managing the COVID protocols and the things that they're doing to try to make sure that the season continues uh, as much as it possibly can for the Merrimack men's hockey team. So a lot of good stuff in this segment. Make sure you check it out. And until next time, 
Thanks for listening. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. That way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. We use Anchor here for the TMR podcast, and it could not be easier. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Looking at UConn, what, what do they look like? What do you kind of expect out of them this weekend? Um, very fast up front, uh, extremely physical. I I was really surprised. I was really taken aback how they physically took the game to uh, Boston College in several periods out of their six periods they played against each other. Uh, they're playing really hard. Um, I, I I think on video they look like the best team we've played. You know we haven't played them yet, but on video uh, they, they presented more problems I think than any team we've played thus far. Uh, they got a great pace up front. First off, it's really coming into his own. Uh, Evans is playing great. Turnbull's playing great. Uh, they have great depth on their lineup. Um, I, I think it's a it's a really good hockey team, one of the best teams in our league. And um, with the goaltender playing well, they could they they're they're going to be a tough uh, team to contend with. Question from John. Yes, yeah, Scott uh, Vamashka has played every minute for them this year. Uh, he's really been their go-to guy in goal. Uh, uh, what do you see as a key to uh, rattling him and making him uncomfortable? Well, I, if I knew that, I would certainly uh, share it with the team. I don't know if I'd share it with you today, but I don't know. Like, I, I, he against us last year, he played, I believe, all nine periods. Um, I thought guys did a good job of getting into the crease and making him back up and making him play smaller than he is because he's a big guy. And so if he gets out the top of the crease, I mean, he's, there's not a lot you're going to be able to do um, unless you go around him. And their defense is big and strong and physical. So it, um, you know, I think the best thing you can do is get traffic there because of, you know, maybe that he'll play deeper in the net. Um, and if you do that, that's true with every goalie, but I think for him in particular, uh, as a big guy, um, as a guy, as a European, he's been in here for a while, but those guys typically um, don't play as well on the goal line as they do in the top of the crease. And so hopefully we can get them to the goal line. Question from Ian. Coach, I thought last week your ability to roll four lines consistently uh, worked in your favor, and you guys were really effective, especially on the forecheck. What have you liked, and how have you kind of worked things going forward this week with your ability to kind of build off what you were able to do last week and the ability to roll four lines consistently? Yeah, you know, it's funny. The full line thing um, is really positive for us. You know, we had a lot of guys playing, playing hard. Uh, you know, I thought that the um, – Liam Walshine uh, was really effective in all six periods. Liam's playing great. Um, and then you have uh, Pat Kramer's line and they, and they're, you know, I've always trusted Pat on the ice um, thinking he'd make the right decisions, but uh, this year he's, he's really playing well off of the puck, really playing well defensively. Um, Mesner and Lovett give a lot of pace to that group. So it's, it's, um, it's been fun. I mean, I, I, I like having full lines like we do right now because I think we can play all four in any situation and be successful. Um, we are a little nicked up. You know, I don't know if all those players will be available this weekend. Um, but 
going forward, certainly I think it could be an advantage for us if we could play all four that much. Question from uh, Mike Macknick. Hey, Scott, I was just looking at some numbers, uh, you know, in, in advance of the series this weekend, and something that really jumped out at me, I'm sure, I'm sure you're already aware of it, is that, uh, so Alex Jeffries leads you in shots with 49, and that is more than double anybody else on the team. So I'm just, I'm wondering, you know, are there things that you see that he's doing that maybe other guys can learn from and try to increase the, uh, you know, the shot totals, but not only that, but the quality chances, because as we've seen, it's not just the fact that he gets shots, but he also gets pretty high quality shots too. And I'm wondering if that's something that can translate over to, to some other guys as well. Yeah. I, you know, I, the thing about Alex that's unique is he has a uniquely good release. So we talked a lot about this week about guys uh, over stick handling and allowing defensive sticks into their shooting lanes. That doesn't happen to Alex very much because his release is so quick. Um, and his, and his first step is much quicker than people think. Um, so he's able to get into open space and attack. And the thing about Alex is that when Alex gets the puck, it doesn't matter what zone he gets that puck and he's thinking attack. Um, and that's just a mindset that, he, that he's had forever. You know, he just, he gets it on the breakout on the wall and, you know, he could be at their goal line in a very quick period of time. So, you know, for him personally, I think uh, playing, getting him to play a, a two-on-one game will help his game continue to grow. Um, and for other guys, just understanding that, hey, you know, we're not just chipping pucks and working pucks in the space. Ultimately, we're trying to get the puck to the net um, and let's attack more. And I think that's just a mentality. Uh, we, not everybody has his first step or his release, but everybody has the ability to get to the net and to get their sticks free and, and be more, um, you know, possessed when they're on their way there. That, I think, uh, is something they could take from the way he plays. Um, but certainly, uh, I think our team grows um, from having players who do different things. And, and that's one of the things he really excels at. Question for Mike McMahon. Uh, you said, obviously, you guys are a little nicked up and you kind of have been. Uh, what what are kind of the rough statuses of some guys, you know, especially like Greasock, I only played one last week. And I know some of the other guys you said are out for a while, but uh, maybe in particular him and, and some of the other guys, are there any one that's out that you think you might be able to get back this weekend? Uh, we're hoping to get Liam Walsh back. Uh, he was, um, he hasn't practiced, but so he's a little nicked up. Uh, hoping he comes back. He's playing so well. Uh, that's a huge piece. Um, Reeser is fine, ready to go forward. Uh, we're hoping to get Liam Dennison back for one of the games this weekend. Um, that was kind of a surprise to me, but uh, he's practiced today for the first time. And, and uh, if he could, if we get another good day in him tomorrow, hopefully he might be able to come back. Uh, you know, Seifert and Drevich are out. Um, you know, so that's kind of where, where our status is. Uh, we had more red jerseys this week than I've ever seen in, in Pratt's I've been involved with. I think we were you know, uniquely banged up after this weekend. I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. Um, just had some things happen in the game that no, no dirty hits or nothing like that, but just, it was pretty physical, especially here on Saturday. Um, and I expect this weekend, if you've watched UConn at all, they are extremely physical, you know, button your chin strap because they're coming after you. Um, and unless we get our power play going, they're going to be able to take, you know, take runs and do what they want to do. So it's important that we get going in a good direction in that area. So if teams do try to take advantage of us physically, we can, you know, we can answer, but uh, that's kind of the health status of our club. Question for me. Coach kind of just brought it up. I wanted to ask about the power play and the special teams overall as a whole. I thought last week, the penalty kill was effective for you guys. I know you gave up a goal uh, 
unfortunately on the power play both both afternoons slash nights but I thought you guys were really effective applying pressure when on the penalty kill at the right times and really making it difficult on New Hampshire last week to really get stuff going uh, and set up in the offensive end where are you guys at as far as special teams are concerned and some of the things you've you've been working on here yeah I think you know the referencing the PK I thought it was um, you know it's been pretty good you know for the last month um, you know, the, the one that they scored on Saturday, a four on three goal, uh, that's a tough, you know, I, I, I find four on three much more dangerous than five on three because the, the four on three teams much more aggressive than the five on three team. Um, so that was just a nice play by them and a great shot by Grasso. But, um, you know, I think the PK has been effective. I would agree. We had a lot of guys getting very comfortable in their roles on the penalty kill. Uh, and that's been really good. That's also helped because, you know, two of the guys I mentioned earlier, Walsh and Kramer, are a big part of our penalty kill. Neither one of them are on the power play right now. So we're managing their ice time pretty well. Um, and then in the power play, it's interesting because we have we have a lot more pieces than we've had in the past. Um, we are looking and struggling to get our chemistry where it needs to be on that unit, on either unit right, really right now. Um, but I think we have power play players and we're just trying to find that. Uh, it's better today, you know, it's getting better every day. Um, you know, we need our, we need our chemistry to come along and then that with our chemistry coming along, I think you'll see our success getting better. Um, and I'm hoping that we can find out this weekend. Question for Mike McMahon. Uh, have you noticed that it, everything's cyclical, right? Like for a while there, like in the early part of the 2010s, when the Blackhawks were winning cups and they were doing it with some smaller kind of more skilled finesse guys, everybody was trying to emulate that. And now it seems like whether it's in the NHL or, uh, especially in college hockey, you talked about UConn, and I know you guys kind of want to play this heavier physical style too. Have you noticed a trend in that direction over the last couple of years? Because it seems like, especially in college hockey, but even a little bit in the NHL, you've seen teams try to go back to maybe where they were in like 2004, 2005, when being big and heavy and physical was more common. And then it kind of gotten away from that. And it was all about smaller, speedier, finesse guys. Now it's kind of coming back to being more of a, a heavier physical game again. I think in like just talking about our league specifically, I think the teams that are trying to climb the ladder um, that may not get, you know, the uh, Alex Newhook or the, or the Boldy type players or some of the other guys are sprinkled throughout our league that are, you know, big time offensively skilled players, the schools that aren't getting those players, you know, that, that's the way that you can be successful. I think UMass, yeah, Kale McCarr was great, but at the end of the day, that they came out and just played full lines. They played hard and heavy, um, and let their skill players play with skill. But you know, I think that their success, you know, lent into that, bent into that a little bit. I think when you look at Province, how they came up, yeah, they had John Gillies, so they had one focal point, but they still came through up the ladder by being big, heavy, and hard to play against. You know, two examples of programs have been turned around by the coaching staffs and by the schools. And they both got turned around the same way. Uh, they were lucky they had, you know, prim, you know, a couple of primetime guys at the right time. But really, it was about how they play, not uh, who was on their team. It allowed them to be successful. And that's um, something I think you'll see teams emulate. Maine plays that way now. UConn's playing really heavy. Vermont's playing really heavy and physical. Um, you know, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a step that UConn made after the season last year. Because I know that they felt they had a really good team last year but they didn't have the success that their roster might have shown, shown that they could have. As we know, we had a good year against them. Uh, so I think they came into this year with the mantra that, hey, we got to be uh, more in this direction. We can be as skilled as we want, but we have to play the game this way. Um, and that's what I see them doing right now. Any other questions for Scott? 
Uh, yeah, one from Mike Macknick. Hey, Scott. So this is, this is actually kind of interesting. I think this is the first weekend this season where, where you guys are at home in the first game, uh, the Friday game in this case, uh, and then going on the road on Saturday. Uh, does that change anything in the way that, that you guys prepare or anything like that? Well, in the, you know, normally we'd go down to UConn the night before uh, and they'd come here the night before. But this year, you're not allowed to do that in the league unless it's in between games at Maine and, and Vermont. Um, I think that what it changes for us is really not the Friday game at home, but it, it does change your schedule. You know, and I think um, we requested a home game to be the first team you know, to get a chance to play one because, you know, when you're traveling back from UMass on Friday night and you have to play Saturday, um, you're getting to bed at least two hours after they are. Um, that's that's a challenge, you know, even from the coaching staff perspective, because you can't really, you know, we try to break down film on the bus, but you can't really do it effectively in that setting. Um, and so I think it's, um, I think it just gives us an opportunity to, to do more coaching between the two games and gives our players a chance to get more rest between the two games. So I think the, um, the advantage, if you will, if there is any, would be in the second game, not the first. So that was something you actually did request then, because like I said, if you, You've been top heavy here with uh, all the first games being on the road until now. Yeah, we requested it just because I, I wanted to give it, you know, maybe it won't make a difference at all, but maybe it will. And I thought that, um, you know, as you're balancing a schedule, those, those weekends that are scheduled that way, that's important that you balance that as well. Um, and this is one of the series where it's, it's a bit of a ride between games. Um, and so I think it's, it's, I'm happy we got the first game here, you know, so um, we'll see how that goes. I, I noticed it really mostly when we were at UMass because obviously traveling to Northeastern or BC and even UNH, you know, that's a very quick trip home. But uh, you know, UConn won't be quite as quick. So uh, I'm glad that this is working out how it did. Question from Ian. Uh, Coach, I guess with students getting set to return back to campus, I know it's different for athletes, but what's kind of the message to your team as they get ready to head back into the academic setting as well? Obviously over the last month and a half, it's just been, you know, some guys I'm sure maybe taking classes, but now things are really going to start to kick up where they're going to have to start to really, you know, keep their eyes on the prize here as we get set to come down the home stretch. Yeah. We, we've talked about that uh, a couple of times this week, you know, we're, we're going to end up in a situation here where, where the uh, campus is full. Uh, where people aren't as uh, disciplined and maybe they're social distancing or the mask wearing or you know, this generation I find typically isn't really too concerned about COVID just because typically at their age, they're not going to be very sick. Um, so you have people on campus that may not be handling the restrictions as well as you want them to. So to me, uh, the academic piece, I think we are a better team when we're in semester than when we're out of it because uh, it gives the guys more structure in their day. Um, the piece about being around campus and making sure you keep our team healthy, that's going to be a much bigger challenge with students on campus. We have had, to this point, we've had eight games that have been canceled on us and we've had to change opponents at the last minute and we haven't canceled any of them. Um, I'm sure now we're going to be in danger of that happening just because, you know, so I'm hoping that we can stay healthy and stay negative as possible, but um, certainly bring the student body back to campus makes that a bigger challenge. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike McMahon CHN, and you can follow the site 
at the Mac Reports. If you're a Facebook user, you can also find us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye.